Hello and welcome to this week's edition of Worcester Talking News, brought to you by Worcester News and Equipment Service for the Blind, which includes anyone who has a visual impairment and is unable to read a newspaper. We have the, the permission of the Worcester News and we're recording on Thursday, August the 29th. I'm Elizabeth Hill and this week's team comprises our engineer, Barry Hurd, and round the table with me is Sue Perry, Pam Glendening, and Kate Hudman. And we're all doing the clerical work this week, this evening, so um, we hope it's all in order. <laughs> May I extend a very warm welcome to any new listeners and hope you enjoy our offering. You will hear some emergency and useful telephone numbers. Uh, we'll have the thought for the week. We'll open the birthday book, and if we don't have yours, please let us know. And then we'll have the past week's headlines, Sunrise and Sunset Times, followed by stories of interest from the past week. And obituaries will follow the music at the end of the recording. The service is quite free to users. It is a registered charity. If, however, anyone does wish to make a voluntary donation, it can be sent to us here at Colin Chance House Wilds Lane WYLDS here in Worcester WR5 1DA and may I thank anyone who has sent a donation recently. We do like to hear from you any suggestions for improvements or complaints of course add a message in your wallet or leave a message on the answer phone 01905 767766 but please remember we are not here every day so leave a message and wait and we will get back to you. I'm going to hand over to Kate now for the emergency and useful telephone numbers. Thank you. Good evening everyone. Um, Elizabeth has just told you the, the telephone number for here but I will repeat it. 01905 the phone number for Worcester Live to book any concert in Worcester, 01905 611 427. Malvern Theatres, 01684 The police non-emergency number is 101. Crime Stoppers, 0800 Worcester Hub, 01905 765765 765 The Norbury Theatre 01905 NHS Direct 111 And the Out of Hours Medical Assistance 0300 123 Between 6pm and 8pm Thanks, Kate. Now, we don't seem to have any birthdays in the book this week, so I'm going to go to the thought for the day, uh, which Keir Aldis kindly sends to us. And it's taken from St Mark's Gospel, chapter 9, verses 38 to 42. Teacher, said John, 
We saw someone driving out demons in your name and we told him to stop because he was not one of us. Do not stop him, Jesus said, for no one who does a miracle in my name can in the next moment say anything bad about me, for whoever is not against us is for us. Truly, I tell you, anyone who gives you a cup of water in my name because you belong to the Messiah will certainly not use their reward. And I'm going to ask uh, Sue if she'll give us the headline stories and sunrise and sunset times, please. Thank you. The first headline is um, Chicken Massacre, followed by Window Cleaner Mistaken for Burglar, Bridge Over Troubled Water, Breathing New Life into the City, Nervous Driver's Fatal Error, and Man Used Dog as a Weapon. Sunrise is at 6.15am and sunset at 8.04pm. Thank you, Sue. Well, if you'd like to dive straight into the first headline story, please. Thank you. Screaming chickens were left strewn across a road after a poultry lorry toppled onto its side and smashed through a house wall and fence. A family were woken in the early hours by a massive bang and the sounds of... sound of thousands of dying chickens and the HGV was only stopped from hitting their house by a steel gate post. James Simpson Stern was in bed at his parents' home on the A4133 Holt Fleet on the opposite side of the bridge to the pub when the crash happened at around 4.30am on the 23rd of August. The property's CCTV shows the Arla Foods UK lorry smash at speed into the wall and Mr Simpson Stern believes the driver misjudged the turning after the bridge on the 40 mile an hour road. The 23 year old said he understands that there were around 5,000 chickens in crates in the lorry's trailer and estimates around three quarters are dead and described the scene as a massacre. We were in bed and heard this massive bang, then looked outside. The gate had gone and the chickens were screaming and the lorry was on its side, said Mr Simpson Stern. He said the driver appeared to be okay and was out of the lorry when the family got outside. Inside the house at the time of the crash were Mr Simpson Stern, his mum, stepdad and his stepdad's parents. Having watched the CCTV footage and studied his own dramatic photos, he said his family were close to losing their home and possibly their lives. It looks like he didn't realise there was a corner after the bridge on the right. He has turned and the trailer has sort of flipped over and taken out our fence. The trailer has toppled and wiped out the fence and gatepost. He added that the police said the post was likely the only thing preventing the vehicle sliding into the house. The lorry was removed soon after the crash by a recovery team, but as of lunchtime the chickens and crates were still in the road, which was closed both ways. (coughs) Excuse me. Mr Simpson Stern believes the cost to repair the damage to the property will be around £15,000. In May, 13-year-old Ryan Robbins was apparently clipped by the car's wing mirror as he walked towards Holtfleet Bridge on the same stretch of road, leaving him with a hairline fracture to his skull. 
He was airlifted to hospital in a critical condition. Mr Simpson Stern and his family want certain sized vehicles banned from crossing the bridge as well as further traffic calming enforcement to be implemented. It's dangerous, he said. It's narrow, even when you're walking over it. You're very close to the vehicles. In terms of accidents I can think of, there's not necessarily that many, but it is a major concern. There was a kid in May. He would have been hit right near to where this lorry came over. They've done some strengthening work, but vehicles are getting heavier and it's an old bridge. They've been talking about this northern relief road for ages. At the moment, this is the only road to Ledbury. Mr Simpson Stern said that in around 2016, his family knocked down their previous home and built a new one on the same land. Our old house used to to shake whenever lorries went past, he said. A spokesman for West Midlands Ambulance Service said they received reports of an overturned lorry in Holt Heath (coughs) at 4.57am and an ambulance went to the house. On arrival, we discovered one patient, a man who was treated for injuries not believed to be serious, before being taken to Worcester Royal Hospital for further assessment, they said. A spokesman for West Mercia Police said they received a call at 4.34am in relation to a single vehicle collision in which a lorry containing chickens was in collision with a wall. Sadly, a number of chickens died as a result of the incident, they added. The A4133 Holt Fleet Road was closed both ways between the Ombersley Roundabout and the Old Vicarage by the bridge over the River Severn due to the accident. Police descended on a family home after a child mistook window cleaners for a gang of burglars and the family called 999. Vince Mont, owner of Squeaky Cleans, said he and his two colleagues had just completed the job when the homeowner came outside and accused them of leaving her child petrified. The customer had apparently called the police after arriving home to discover that her young son believed intruders were at the home. Two officers in two patrol cars subsequently arrived at the house. Mr Mont, 30, said it was a complete waste of police time as they spent 45 minutes doing background checks on him and his employees. Mr Mont, who cleans windows across Worcester and the county, said this was all down to the customer not having the decency to check who was in her garden before calling the police. With the government the way it is and lack of police force, is this really what we need? If you book a window cleaner, they will come. Not really rocket science. Safe to say we won't be going back to that customer after she blamed myself for her being a nuisance to the police. Just think before wasting time. Mr Mont said he rang the doorbell and knocked on the door of the home in Upton on Seven after arriving at around 11 o'clock, but there was no answer. There was nobody in the house, so he rang the bell one of those that connected to the phone, and I banged on the door a couple of times. There was no answer, but someone was in there, he said. It's quite normal, they don't answer the door, but that's their prerogative. I always give the door a knock out of courtesy. He said he could see there was a child in the house, who he thought was around 11 years old, although he was later told he was 15. 
The homeowner returned midway through the team completing the 20-minute job. Mr Mont said she came bouncing out, shouting, saying her son was petrified. I saw the child through the window and he was fine, but by the time I'd finished he was apparently petrified. Mr Mont from Bromyard added, She called the police. She was probably embarrassed. Instead of saying thank you for cleaning the windows, she said she wouldn't pay and told me to F off. All the while the police were standing there. Mr Mont, who started his window cleaning business around four years ago, praised the officer's attitude and said they were very understanding despite the circumstances. He said they had to clear up that she was happy, we weren't burgling, and then came to speak to us to check we weren't wanted for anything and to carry out card checks. Mr Mont said the officers then looked at the messages sent between him and the customer, who he said had signed up for monthly cleans in March after seeing an advert on Facebook. He claimed she kept cancelling the cleaning appointments each month, but... After he didn't hear from her, he carried on with the job this week. Mr Mont charges £8 for a full clean, but said this job was priced at £12 because the windows hadn't been cleaned for so long. He has sent out an invoice for the work. Mr Mont said it wasn't the first time a homeowner had called police. He said three years ago a different woman had organised for him to clean the windows but hadn't told her husband, who spotted him on CCTV while at work and called the police. He added, please just check before wasting our time and the police's time. It's a lot of resources wasted because of all the checks that have to be done and the loss of income for us. There are no plans to make changes to a dangerous road after a lorry crash which killed thousands of chickens. And an animal rights campaigner has slammed on appalling conditions in which the chicken, chickens were transported on board the lorry, which toppled over and smashed through a wall. Worcestershire County Council has said it is investigating the crash, but there are no plans to introduce further restrictions in relation to improving Holt Fleet Bridge or that section of the A4133. Thousands of chickens housed in tight shipping containers were killed when the HGV came off the bridge and smashed into a property fence and wall at about 4.30am on Thursday. Ronnie Lee vegan action coordinator, said that while the trauma of the crash was horrific, the chickens' lives were full of suffering, including how they are transported, cramming them into crates, which photos from the scene highlighted. The 23-year-old's photo show crates and crates of apparently dead chickens strewn across the road, as well as many loose, lifeless birds. This is just one stage in an appalling process for chickens reared for human consumption, Mr Lee told the Worcester News. This is an additional amount of suffering, but their lives are full of suffering anyway. The Morven-based campaigner went on to say poultry are crammed into boiler units for intensive chicken farms. They're put into these boiler units as small chicks and grow very quickly. This causes huge amounts of suffering with their bodies becoming too heavy for their legs. There's hardly room to move in these units. Mr Lee said chickens are sent to slaughter at six weeks old but can live naturally up to eight years. 
He said around 900 million chickens are slaughtered in the UK per year for human consumption, almost all reared in these appalling conditions. It's appalling and totally unnecessary. We don't need to eat them to survive, he added. If anyone is appalled by the crash, then they need to realise that even if that crash hadn't happened, their death would still have been full of cruelty and suffering. 90% of the land animals slaughtered are chickens, he added. Many Worcester News readers were also in agreement with Mr Lee, taking, talking to Facebook to complain after the initial story went online. Christina Jones said, How awful for the poor birds. The company needs to be investigated about the way they are transporting the birds. It's disgraceful. Jem Garfield said, Poor chickens, another reason why I'm vegetarian. 5,000 chickens crammed into small cages for people to eat. Mr Simpson Stern and his family have called for large vehicles to be restricted from using the bridge, which crosses the River Severn, as well as further traffic calming implementation. It's dangerous, he said. It's narrow. Even when you're walking over it, you're very, very close to vehicles. Mr Simpson Stern said, in terms of accidents, I can think of, of the, the sorry, I can think, think of that there's no, oh dear. Sorry about this. Mr Simpson Stern said, in terms of accidents I can think of, there's not necessarily that many, but it's a major concern. They've done some strengthening work, but vehicles are getting heavier and it's a very old bridge. It's a very narrow bridge with a narrow pavement, and Councillor Tomlinson, who represents Ombersley Division, which includes Holt. He said the traffic gets busy, whether it's the morning or evening, on the bridge in question, as well as the large number of similar bridges which span the river in the county, making them dangerous for pedestrians. There are many people campaigning for a relief road that would take so much traffic off that bridge, he continued. He said whether or not a relief road comes to fruition, the incident is a great reason to take positive steps in the area to divert congestion away from the bridge. It does point up the need for serious action about getting a road bridge that is fit for purpose over the River Severn, he added. John Fraser, Worcestershire County Council's Head of Highways, said we're investigating the accident on the A4133 at Holt Fleet, together with our colleagues at West Mercia Police. The road is a major key route crossing the River Severn and is covered by a 40 mile an hour speed restriction. There are no plans to introduce any further restrictions. The county's local transport plan, covering the period up to 2030, sets out the issues and our priorities for investment in transport infrastructure. The plan refers to a comprehensive review of junctions, including on the A4133 in Holt Heath, but there is no specific mention of the bridge. It is unclear which company was responsible for the lorry or chickens. Mr Simpson Stern described seeing Area for Food UK logos on the lorry, but a spokesman denied it was anything to do with their company. Empty buildings in the tithing and other parts of Worcester could be rejuvenated after the city was shortlisted for a share of a £1 billion government fund to transform high streets and shopping areas. Worcester MP Robin Walker has welcomed the announcement which could mean part of the city centre is revitalised. 
the city missed out when the successful Future High Streets Fund applicants were first announced, but the government has now confirmed that a further 50 towns and cities will go to the next stage. This time, Worcester's proposal for Blackfriars and Northern City Centre has been selected. The money could be used in various ways, such as converting empty shops into homes or offices or improving transport links. As a successful FHS fund candidate, Worcester's application team will now receive up to £150,000 to develop detailed project proposals that can be submitted for capital funding of up to £25 Mr Walker said, The announcement is certainly good news. It fits into my long campaign to support the high street. We do have a good mix of shops in the city, but there are areas on the periphery that need support, like the Tithing and Barbourne Road. This money can be used to convert empty buildings. The news follows the announcement earlier this year that the city was was successful with another bid from the government's Cultural Development Fund to turn Worcester's railway arches into a business and arts hub. Following the FHS announcement, David Blake, Managing Director of Worcester City Council, tweeted yesterday, Fantastic news for Worcester on the back of £3 million for the arches project. Community Secretary Robert Jenrick visited the city to make the FHS fund announcement outside the Guildhall on Monday morning. Mr Jenrick said, High streets have a crucial role to play as we now want to grow the economy of all parts of the country. Our fund is key to delivering this, empowering local leaders to help transform their high streets and town centres as consumer habits change by investing in housing, workplaces, infrastructure and culture. Earlier this year, Worcester bid highlighted figures that over the 2018 Christmas period, the city bucked the national trend, enjoying a 0.3% rise in visitors compared to the previous year. In comparison, cities across the country saw visitor numbers drop by 3.2% on average last Christmas, the festive period being traditionally the busiest for high streets. A nervous and inexperienced driver was killed after losing control of her car on the M5 before veering sideways across two lanes and colliding with another vehicle, an inquest heard. Serena George from Worcester had been attempting to overtake a van and trailer but misjudged the manoeuvre before swerving back into the left lane and panicking as she tried to correct her car. The 24-year-old braked sharply and jolted the steering wheel quickly, one way and then the other, causing her Peugeot 206 hatchback to swerve off into lanes 2 and 3. As a result, a Land Rover Discovery crashed head-on into the side of Miss George's car before both vehicles ran into lane 4 and the 4x4 hit the central reservation barrier. PC Mark Murphy, Forensic Investigator for West Mercia Police, reviewed dashcam footage of the crash, which took place around 5.40am on April the 3rd. 
Speaking at Worcestershire Coroner's Court, he said Miss George's accidental actions had resulted in violent and substantial impact with the other car. The manner of driving is indicative of a novice, unconfident of nervous or nervous driver, he said. He went on to describe how she had attempted three manoeuvres but barely flashed her indicators before pulling out each time. PC Murphy said she lost control after failing to notice the white van and trailer being driven by Benjamin Brady. She swerved back having just missed making contact with the van and then in an attempt to regain proper control began steering towards the offside while braking hard. The constable said there was a degree of panic in Miss George as she attempted the reposition and when she tried to correct the other way. It's that combination of both left and right, he said. With a novice driver, the tendency is to keep on the brakes when releasing the brakes is often more beneficial. PC Murphy said the small silver Peugeot spun clockwise after the crash before coming to a stop, straddling lanes three and four, facing northbound. He estimated from the footage supplied by Alex Green, who was driving behind the van and trailer in lane two, that Miss George had been travelling at a speed between 50 and 60 miles an hour. The officer said one of the Land Rover's tyres had burst in the crash and there was significant damage to the front of the car, but no one in the car had been injured. Miss George's car suffered extremely significant damage and her steering wheel had buckled and deformed and the airbag had not deployed. PC Murphy said exam examination of the two vehicles involved had highlighted no concerns about prior defects. The collision had taken place on a section of smart motorway where there is no hard shoulder and the left two lanes split off towards the M42 junction while the right lanes continue on towards the M6. The area doesn't benefit from street lighting so it was very dark at the time, he added. Miss George lived with her mom, Lulia Gaynar, in Newport Street and had moved from Romania six years before her death. Her mom had told the court via a statement that her daughter had complained of headaches and tiredness. I think she had a lot on. She was just doing too much, she said. She described Miss George as not a confident driver and she had complained that the roads are wider with a lot more cars in the UK. She had just started a factory job in Aston, Birmingham, three weeks before, which required her to drive on the motorways with which she was unfamiliar, and the previous day she had worked an extended shift. She also had her own handmade des desserts business, Swift Gifts, which she was passionate about. The inquest also heard from William Chin, who had set off from Suffolk with his dad and had been driving in lane three when the crash happened. In a statement read out in court, he described hearing an almighty bang as the two cars collided. I could see the driver's side of the car was completely crushed inwards and the driver was not moving, Mr Chin added. Mr Brady, an engineer from Sirencester, 
who had been travelling to Chester in his van and towing a trailer, said there had been a light fog prior to the crash. However, this cleared quickly, but Miss George's rear fog lights remained on, which dazzled me, and he flashed his headlights to try to get her to turn them off, as did other cars. He said, as the Peugeot had attempted to overtake him, I remember saying, wow, don't do that. CPR was given to Miss George at the scene of the crash before she went into cardiac arrest and was pronounced dead at 6.04am. Assistant Coroner Simon Charlton said Miss George was very tired and suffering from hay fever at the time of her death. He concluded she had died from multiple injuries as a result of a road traffic collision. A dog may have to be destroyed after it seriously injured a man during an attack in Worcester City Centre. Andrew Corns used his Staffordshire Bull Terrier cross to inflict injuries on another man in the Trinity. Although no details of the injuries have yet been revealed, West Midlands Ambulance Service has confirmed that a man in his 30s was treated near bushwhackers for dog bites following a treble nine call at around 4.09am. An ambulance and a paramedic officer attended the scene. It is understood the casualty was being treated at the scene before being taken to Worcestershire Royal Hospital. Corns, aged 35, was convicted of having used the dog as a weapon during an assault. He appeared at Worcester Crown Court with co-defendant Bobby Watts. Corns of George Street was due to be sentenced for Section 18 wounding with intent, which involves the use of a dog as a weapon and also being the owner of a dog which caused injuries while dangerously out of control on Friday of last week. Watts, aged 19, of Westmount Road, London, was due to be sentenced for assault occasioning actual bodily harm and affray for his role in the incident. Timothy Sapwell, prosecuting, said it was an incident which involved several other defendants, with some youths already having been dealt with in the youth court. Mr Sapwell said the court had to consider destruction of the dog, describing that as the default position, unless there is evidence to the contrary. However, recorder Benjamin Nichols hinted at a possible reprieve, saying, if this is a case not of a dangerous dog, but a dangerous owner, which it very often is in my experience, if the dog isn't inherently dangerous and appropriate arrangements can be made for rehoming and that sort of thing, clearly that's something the defence could deal with. However, he added, that the default position was that the court make a destruction order unless the court is satisfied the dog does not present a danger to public safety. We have to look at the dog's previous convictions, so to speak, said Recorder Nichols. You don't want the dog put down, said Recorder Nichols to Corns. I've had that dog for ten years, he replied. It is understood that Corns' aunt is prepared to look after the dog. The judge told Corns he did not believe he would be able to keep the dog. If it can be rehomed, that may mean we don't have to order the dog to be put down. 
Corns appeared in person and Watts via video link for the sentencing hearing on Friday, August the 23rd, both defendants having already been convicted for their part in the violence. However, the case was adjourned so the two men could be sentenced alongside a third co-defendant. Aaron Abbott, aged 18, who was not in court, is due to be sentenced for assault, occasioning actual bodily harm and affray on September the 10th this year. Recorder Nichols adjourned the case until later. The recorder said he understood that Corns wished to know what sentence he would receive, but that all three men should be sentenced together for the incident, which happened on February the 3rd this year. Evidence to be heard is understood to include analysis by a police dog handler. Watts, who appeared over video link, is to be produced at court on the next occasion. He also has to be sentenced for two counts of being in possession of a bladed article in a public place. Some of those dates, I'm afraid, didn't add up. Um, that's the end of the headline stories. And so I'm going to ask Sue to start on the general news, please. Thank you. A hospice worker has been honoured with a national award for the work she does caring for patients. Cathy O'Connell was presented with a prestigious Cavell Star for the work she does at St Richard's Hospice. Cavell Star Awards are given to nurses, midwives, healthcare assistants and nursing associates who demonstrate high standards of care to patients, their families and colleagues. Mrs O'Connell, a senior healthcare assistant who has worked at the hospice for eight years, said, It was a real surprise to receive the award, but also lovely and very humbling. I am so proud to be part of the day services team at St Richard's and would like to thank all my amazing colleagues. I have been so well supported from day one and the Cavell star on my lapel is testament to that. Claire Geiselhart, day services manager, said, Cathy has helped to lead the rehabilitative agenda within day services. She is innovative, innovative, always thinks about what the patient wants and needs rather than adopting a paternalistic approach. Cathy is also always willing to expand her knowledge and skills and now runs adapted Tai Chi for patients. She actively supports patients to set goals so an active plan of care around their individual needs can be implemented. Through her role, Mrs O'Connell supports the nursing team, helps with training and presents to staff on rehabilitative palliative care. A homeowner is now investing in CCTV after her car was damaged during a vandalism spree. Sam Matthews said a neighbour was woken in the early hours of Sunday by the sounds of glass being broken before shouting from the window at a gang of four males who then fled. The 48-year-old, who has lived in Meadow Court, Droitwich for 11 years, said the vandals broke the covers off her front lights and hopes cameras will deter any future damage. Other vehicles were similarly targeted, said Mrs Matthews, while the witness said one of the vandals also had a flashlight torch he was using to shine through car windows. It happened in the past and is reported to police, but without anyone being caught in the act, it's difficult, she continued. Mrs Matthews has lived around the Westlands estate all her life and said this type of crime is fairly common, 
particularly on Friday and Saturday nights, with neighbours often complaining of their back window wipers being pulled off. It's just mindless vandalism. It's pointless, she added. CCTV will cost Mrs Matthews a couple of hundred pounds, she estimates, but appreciates it is difficult for police to catch those responsible. We do seem to get police presence in the day. They will drive up and check if anything is happening. She said the timing of the attacks on Sunday, which occurred around 3am, is unusual as it's normally closer to the time the pub shut. Contact police on 101 and quote reference 271S of August the 25th if you have any information. Water quality on the stretch of the River Severn in the county is improving according to the Environment Agency. David Hudson spoke out after media reports quoted the World Wide Fund for Nature as saying rivers are used as open sewers. The River Severn was given, given as an example after a swimmer was taken ill after swallowing sewage. Mr Hudson from the Environment Agency said water quality is now better than at any time since the Industrial Revolution, largely due to the work of the Environment Agency and the £25 billion of investment that we have required water companies to make. To sustain this improvement, we are taking a robust enforcement action against those who pollute our waters and in the last four years nationally, we have prosecuted water companies 40 times with fines totalling £33 million. But we are not complacent. Climate change and pollution growth are adding to the pressures on water and this is a big challenge for all of us. Landowners, regulators, businesses government and society as a whole. The status of our waterways is based on the European Union's Water Framework Directive. Under the directive, a waterway can only be rated as good if all elements in it are rated as good. A number of different elements are considered when assessing water, water quality, including the number of fish and invertebrates, chemicals in the water and the availability of the water. The current ecological rating is moderate, while the chemical element has been rated as good. The environmental agency are also calling for caution for open water swimmers. Mr Hudson added, while water quality is now better than at any time since the Industrial Revolution, we advise all swimmers to use our designated bathing waters. The River Severn is not a designated bathing water, nor are any of its tributaries. Police officers smashed their way into a Worcester drugs den before seizing cannabis and paraphernalia with the operation described as one of the biggest in the city. A 43-year-old man was also arrested on suspicion of production or being concerned in the production of a controlled drug following the raid in Barnes Way on Sunday the 25th of August. An eyewitness who did not wish to be named said officers broke down the door around 11am before waiting until dark to remove the drugs and didn't leave the scene until midnight. Police came with those big hammers they use and entered the property where there was a cannabis farm, he said. One of the officers said it was one of the biggest in the city he'd ever seen. The witness said up to a dozen officers were at the house for hours on end 
throughout the day and he was confused as to why they didn't start taking things out until dark. Around half an hour before the raid, he said two officers knocked on the door and then left the scene when there was no answer. He said a few minutes after that, someone exited the house and walked off down the street. It seemed strange to knock the door and give them the chance to get away. Referring to police camped outside the house in vans, the witness said they were sitting there all day. They had people coming to dismantle the electronics, but they waited until later to cart things away. The pots that appeared to have been used to grow the cannabis were emptied and stacked up outside the front window, he said. He said the paraphernalia included several four-foot-tall stainless steel cylinders. Western Power Distribution vans were also parked at the property. It's a very strange situation at that house, the witness added, going on to say it's about time more drug dens are raided as they are the scourge of our city. It is understood the house is a rental property and the current owners have been there for a few months and are possibly Eastern European, according to the witness. A West Mercia police spokesman said... We conducted a search at an address on Barnes Way on Sunday and a quantity of cannabis plants were seized. They added that the man arrested has been released on police bail. And now some cricket. Holders Worcestershire Rapids are through to the Vitality Blast quarterfinals. Yesterday's North Group encounter with Knott's Outlaws at Blackfinch New Road was abandoned without a ball bowled, but the single point acquired enables Rapids to join Outlaws, Lancashire Lightning and Derbyshire Falcons in the last eight. Rapids will now be vying with Outlaws for second spot in the group and a home tie when the North Ground is completed tomorrow. North Group is completed tomorrow. Worcestershire travelled to take on Northampton Steelbacks, 6.30pm, while Outlaws do battle with Durham at Trent Bridge. A Rapids win and defeat for Outlaws would mean a home quarter-final tie for Worcestershire. Steady rain began falling at 3pm yesterday, an hour before the scheduled start, and there was little let-up before umpires Martin Saggers and Alex Worf called off play at 5.20pm. It was Rapids' third match in seven during this summer's blast campaign that has been called off without a ball bowled. Meanwhile, Ross Whiteley is looking to make an impact in the latter stages of the T20 competition after demonstrating his fearsome power with the bat against leaders Lightning on Sunday. The all-rounder smashed 89 off just 40 balls at Black Finch New Road and brought up his 100th T26 for Rapids. It was a return to his best for Whiteley and he will be striving to continue in the same vein for the rest of the tournament. He said, it was a tough wicket to get get in on. You had to give yourself a few deliveries and then once you get the pace of the game, it gets easier. My form has not been how I would have liked it for the start of the tournament, but hopefully now with the crunch games coming up, I can be out there and putting match-winning performances in. It's been very disappointing. I've probably not had a tournament like this for a long time where I've been lean on runs. But where I bat in the order, it's about match-winning partnerships or innings that can be just six off one ball or 80 off 30. It's tough. It's not gone my way, but hopefully I've got some momentum for those crucial games and can help get us into the qualification spot. 
Whiteley finished two runs short of his personal best. Blast score for Rapids of 91 off 34 balls, balls against Yorkshire Vikings at Headingley four years ago when he smashed 11 sixes. There was even a chance going into the final over that a couple of a big, big blows could have taken him to a century, but that was not on his mind. He added, To be honest, I didn't really know what score I was on. I was just looking at the bottom right on the scoreboard where it says how many are needed to win. It is irrelevant whether I get a 100 or not. It is not about that. It's about the team. Thank you. So that's the sports slot. Um, I now actually have a few items uh, that you may be interested in. Um, events in Worcester and in Malvern. Um, what's on? So... Um, on the 11th and 12th of September at the Swan Theatre is Talon, uh, which is a tribute band to the Best of the Eagles, the Greatest Hits Tour. Um, it starts at 7.30pm and it's £25. And I have to say they are a very good tribute band, but they are very loud, so you might need your earplugs. <laughs> Uh, 13th of September is called Voodoo Room, a night of Hendrix, Clapton and Cream. It's at Huntington Hall, starts at 7.30pm and that's a cost of £18. And on the 14th it's called, and finally, Phil Collins at the Swan Theatre at 7.30pm, £19.50 with concessions at £18.50. So there's obviously a little bit of a... Um, uh, pop rock stuff going on at the Swan Theatre in the next uh, next couple of weeks. Uh, over at Mulvern Theatres on the third and fourth of September is the Pirates of Penzance, and I haven't any more details on what time that starts. And on the third is a young climber called Hazel Finley, called the Climb Within, and that's a talk. Uh, and it starts at 7.45pm. Uh, on the 4th of September is the Yeoman of the Guard, and that starts at 7.30pm. So if you want any more... Um, oh, and on the 5th, sorry, is the Gondoliers. Uh, so there's lots of Gilbert and Sullivan going on. And on the 7th, the Mikado. And on the 9th to the 14th is the Entertainer. So... Kate gave you the phone numbers earlier for uh, Malvern Theatres, so the best thing is to ring them up and see what you fancy. So now, uh, some more news. Annoyed city residents have complained after receiving parking fines on Bank Holiday Monday. Residents from the Arboretum have protested about getting parking tickets after claiming they weren't aware that traffic wardens worked Bank Holidays. There is a parking restriction from Monday to Saturday in the area. However, on Sundays, drivers can park on single yellow lines or in the timed bays. The residents claim they were led to believe that the rules on Sundays also applied to bank holidays. County Councillor Matthew Jenkins said, I have had a lot of people contact me about the parking fines. Many have lived in the area for over 20 years and have never experienced a parking fine on a bank holiday. It came as a bit of a shock to some. One resident, Steve Britton, who received a parking ticket, said, 
I'm a bit biffed. No one likes getting a fine. I was walking back home from town and saw loads of cars that had a ticket. I want some clarification on the rules. We're all a little annoyed as to what could have changed. If residents pay the penalty within 14 days, it will be £35. Otherwise, it's double at 70 Mr Britton, aged 29, has appealed against the fine. Liz Brooks, member of the Arboretum Residents' Association, who has lived in the area for 21 years, said, A resident told me, a traffic warden told her, that they were expected to ticket around 100 people in the Arboretum on Bank Holiday Monday. When I got back home later that day, there were all these cars that had been ticketed. There were around six cars on my street which had a fine. There's never been a traffic warden working bank holidays before. None of us knew. It doesn't give the residents any chance at all to escape the fines. Will this happen on Christmas and Boxing Day? They can't pick and choose which bank holidays to work. Ms Brooks added, They're very hot around here. I have previously left my house at 5.30am in my pyjamas just to find a parking spot opposite my house. Parking in the area is a nightmare. You can't just pop to the shop in your car as you're not guaranteed a space when you come back. A City Council spokesman said, The parking signs in the area state that no parking is permitted Monday to Saturday 8.30am to 5.30pm. No exception for bank holidays is mentioned. Anyone who receives a penalty charge notice for parking has the right to appeal against the fine. Instructions on how to appeal are included on the notice. And this is about a couple marking their 50 years of marriage. Mm -hmm. She's my soulmate, says a Worcester pensioner after celebrating his golden wedding anniversary with his wife. Robin Sue Skinner, who met through the Scouts Association as teens, celebrated their marriage of 50 years on Friday, August the 23rd. Mr Skinner, 77, said, What's special about Sue? Well, our relationship has always been good. We just get on so well. We have one rule, and that's that we don't go to sleep until we've sorted out our problems. We have always done a lot of things together, I have known Sue for 60 years and I cannot imagine life without her. I must admit it doesn't seem anywhere that long and I would not change Sue for anyone else. She's my soulmate, my friend and my rock. Mr Skinner says his advice for a happy marriage is to do things together, but also have independence, adding, most importantly, lots of hugs. After the first time the couple met, Mr Skinner said he immediately took a shine to soon-to-be Mrs Skinner and asked her out on a date. He added, we met on a scout competition. When we got home, I asked her out. I knew I liked her straight away. She has a very calm nature now, but she wasn't always like this. She had fiery ginger hair, so her personality went with it. The pair courted for four years before they got married and went on to have two daughters, Michelle and Sally. The family are well known in the St John's area of Worcester. Mrs Skinner, aged 72, worked for the Red Cross as a county youth officer, while Mr Skinner was Deputy District Commissioner at the Scouts. He is also Concert Secretary of the Worcester Male Voice Choir, where Mrs Skinner often supports him in the audience. 
the pair will be marking their anniversary with a holiday in Cornwall where they spent their honeymoon and early years together as a couple. The couple loved to travel around the world, however they now enjoy making trips across the UK. People who have left love locks on a popular city bridge have been told to collect them within the next few days before they're taken away. The locks have been left on Diglis Bridge, but now council chiefs say they need to be taken down so the bridge can be cleaned. The locks are showing signs of being weathered. John Fraser, head of highways at Worcestershire County Council, said... Many of the locks that have been attached to the bridge are not suitable for outdoor use and are now beginning to rust and stain the wiring. The removal of the locks will allow us to thoroughly improve the overall look of the bridge. We understand that there is often a sentimental attachment to the locks placed on the bridge, so we wanted to allow time for people to collect the locks before they are removed. Owners are being asked to collect their locks on Diglis Bridge before September the 2nd. Locks not collected before the deadline will be stored for a month and available for collection from County Hall reception. Pets and their owners came to Worcester Cathedral for a special ceremony of blessing. The event was held to celebrate the place that pets hold in people's lives. Owners were invited to come along with or without their pets to join in thanking God for animals, praying for them and their welfare and remembering animals who have died. There was the opportunity to write prayers in memory of a pet and animals who have died. On paper hearts, um, these were written on paper hearts which were then hung off the cathedral's prayer tree. The service was held by the very Reverend Peter Atkinson, Dean of Worcester, and he said this is an opportunity for people with their much-loved pets to come together and give thanks for the joy and companionship that they give to us. Among those taking part were the city's deputy mayor, Councillor Joe Hodges. Most of the pets brought along were dogs, but one pony also turned up. However, it was reluctant to enter the main body of the church and remained in the archway of the northern entrance while the service took place. The service itself was short, so as not to unduly tax the patience of the participants. Some of them made themselves heard with the occasional bark, which was welcomed by the Dean as spontaneous contributions to the worship. One participant was Jonathan Hancock, who brought along Holly, an 11-year-old short-haired sheepdog. He said, Our family lost a dog last year, and taking part in this service seems like a good way of remembering the pets that we have loved. Debbie Ratcliffe was one of a group from Pets as Therapy who brought along their dogs, in this case a German shepherd, Gunner. She said, I take him into schools and children's homes and the children absolutely love meeting him. Now here's an event, an event that's well worth supporting. A charity coffee morning will be held to raise money for West Mercia Women's Aid. The coffee morning aims to bring together the local community and all proceeds raised will go to the cause. West Mercia Women's Aid, based in Barbourne, is one of Jackson Family Funeral Directors' chosen charities for 2019. The charity helps victims of domestic abuse and supports vulnerable women and children. 
The Coffee Morning on Friday, September the 6th at Jackson's Worcester office is also set to increase awareness of domestic abuse and the life-saving support West Mercia Women's Aid can provide. Lee Russell, funeral director at Jackson's Worcester branch, said The shocking fact is that one in four women will experience domestic abuse at some point in their lives. Hidden within a community, women can be subjected to long-term suffering from within the family unit. Our coffee morning is just a small way we have support. We have to support West Mercia Women's Aid. We hope the local community will come along and get behind the coffee morning and perhaps buy a piece of cake or two. For more information, call 01905 616 2 or email office at jackson-familyfunerals.com. A barber who was a former football player has raised funds for the charity that saved his life after he was involved in a car crash. After playing for Manchester United at youth level in 2012, Rory Curtis was involved in a near-fatal accident which led to him sustaining two brain injuries. Since the crash, Rory has opened the Charlie Parker's Cutthroat and Coffee Barber Shop in Barbourne Road, where he has raised money for the Queen Elizabeth Hospital Birmingham and Headway, Worcestershire. Rory, aged 29, said, I see the crash as a blessing in disguise, as now I am following my dream as a barber shop owner. During my recovery, I had an epiphany and an overwhelming urge to follow my father's footsteps. I am following the family tradition as the first Charlie Parkers was opened in 1981 in Redditch. This business is in my blood. Rory suffered a brain hemorrhage and a diffused brain injury from the accident and also had to have a metal rod put in his hip. He said, I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for the care and support I received from the staff at the hospital. The care I had was incredible. Everyone was at hand when I needed them. I was in such shock when I got there because of the accident, but everyone was so understanding and were there not just for me, but for my friends and family. They were like a little family, not just doctors and nurses. Rory from Bromsgrove played for the youth teams at Manchester United and Walsall until he was 19, before being a lecturer at South City College, Birmingham, teaching barbering. There are five Charlie Parkers cut throat and coffee bar shops um, barber shops sorry within the and the fifth that's just opened in Worcester the opening day was July the 27th and it raised 500 pounds which was split between the charities headway Worcestershire and the trauma research at the Queen Elizabeth Hospital in Birmingham Catherine Worth fundraising manager said Rory has done lots of fundraising for us in the past and raised an incredible amount of money we are so grateful that he has chosen to celebrate his barber shop opening with us as well. All of the money raised will go towards funding added extras that go over and above what the NHS can fund in the trauma unit. So thank you, Rory, and good luck with your new business. A dad who became angry after his daughter left home has appeared in court for brandishing a mallet in Droitwich. The 53-year-old, who we cannot name for legal reasons, was given a community order when he appeared at Worcester Magistrates Court. Nicola Ricci, prosecuting, said 
animosity built up between the dad and daughter after she decided to leave home and move away. On August the 5th, the teenager arranged to collect some items and return some things to her dad. After leaving, Miss Ritchie said, however, unknown to her, she was followed by him. He said he wanted back a disc and hair clippers. Miss Ritchie said the dad had with him a wooden mallet which he had concealed and approached his daughter in a group in a car park in Farmer's Way, Droitwich. Miss Ritchie said the man was holding the mallet below his waist, tight in his hand. At this point, she said, leave me alone, dad. But he continued to shout and swear, Miss Ritchie said. There was an alleged altercation. They drove away to the police station and reported the matter. The defendant returned to his home address with a mallet in his hand with a friend who had spoken to him to calm him down. Along the way, he was frustrated and expressed this by striking lampposts with the mallet. Miss Ritchie said the Crown Prosecution Service felt there was a risk of serious disorder during the incident. Barry Newton, defending, said the mallet was not swung to cause any risk of injury. It is an isolated one-off incident and highly unlikely to ever be repeated, he said. Magistrates gave the man a 12-month community order with 100 hours unpaid work and ordered him to pay £100 costs and a victim's surcharge of £90. And now here's a follow-on from the service at the cathedral. This is um, the dean, Peter Atkinson, who led the service, writing about it. When I blessed 20 dogs and a pony in the cathedral on Sunday afternoon, I said something about animals being a blessing to us, rather than the other way round. Members of the pet therapy charity who were at the service would certainly agree with that, as would anyone who has known the companionship of a much-loved animal. Are human beings a blessing to animals? When we care for them and feed them and love them, yes we are. When enlightened government passed laws to protect them from human harm, yes we are. When zoologists seek out endangered species and do all they can to preserve them, yes we are. But not when humans misuse, human misuse of the earth contributes to the irreparable loss of living species. Somewhere between 200 and 2,000 species become extinct each year. Not when a small group of people are determined to cause as much damage as they can in the west gardens of the cathedral, including the medieval ruins which are the home to a colony of rare bats. People who have forced their way through iron railings and padlocks simply to smash the bat's nesting box to pieces. When human beings behave like that, they are not a blessing to the animal world. Those human beings who gathered with me in the cathedral on Sunday afternoon asked God to bless the animals, but maybe in their doggy and horsey way they were asking God to bless us and asking God to make to us see sense. Yes. A building site foreman landed a punch on his site engineer, breaking his jaw and sending him falling back into a trench. Wesley Bates of Tunnel Hill avoided an immediate jail spell with a judge sentencing him to nine months imprisonment, suspended for 18 months. 
Swindon Crown Court heard he had not meant to fracture the site engineer Matthew Kirby's jaw when he punched him in the face on July 17th. Earlier that day, Bates' construction worker son had been working on pipes at the building site when another man used heavy equipment to lift the pipes. Bates, aged 40, was concerned the man did not have the necessary licences to operate the machinery and his actions had threatened to endanger his son's life. Angry, he told the worker he planned to inform management. Later, Bates saw the worker and Mr Kirby talking, with the former apparently joking about the fact his foreman might fire him. Simon Goodman said there had been earlier there had earlier been a discussion between Bates and Mr Kirby, effectively a professional matter about what should happen. Bates was said to have been aggressive, facing up to the worker. Mr Bates returned, described as storming back and shouting into Mr Kirby's face, said Mr Goodman. Bates, a father of two, with previous convictions for violence dating back to the 1990s, pleaded guilty to causing grievous bodily harm. Defending Omar Majid said, Mr Bates is horrified about the prospect of being sent to prison. He is very disappointed with himself about the position he has put his family in. In addition to his sentence, Judge Peter Crabtree ordered Bates to complete 20 rehabilitation days and abide by an eight-week curfew. Bates was also ordered to pay Mr Kirby £400 compensation. A gymnastics club has been broken into and forced to close after it was left with glass everywhere. Thieves stole items including cash from Flick's Gymnastics Club based in Sheriff Street. In the break-in in overnight on August the 22nd which also saw damage to the building. It is the second time this month the club has been broken into. A previous break-in happened on the premises on August the 10th. The gym was forced to close until 1.30pm as the glass had to be cleaned up and a forensics team were at the scene. The CCTV cameras had been covered by the intruders. Coach leader Simone Pascaluti-Werrett said, It's just frustrating. There's nothing here to steal. We have had to close this morning, which isn't ideal. We had to turn away so many people. Everyone has been brilliant. They've been so sympathetic. We have received loads of emails. People have been telling us to stay strong as a team. The reaction from our members has been wonderful and so heartwarming. Mrs Pascolotti Werrett added, Thank you for all of your support we have received from both members and other unit owners on this estate, genuinely blown away by their kind words and actions. We have really strived to create an inclusive environment where every child matters and feels an important part of the community and from the support we've received it looks as though it is working. As a club, this means so much to us, as we would be nowhere without our fabulous members. The gym had organised an induction gym tot session for babies and children between the ages of 12 months and 5 years, which have been running throughout the summer. Around 48 people showed up at the session and had to be turned away. Mrs Pascaluti Werrett said, The club had experienced a financial loss due to the morning closure. A police spokesman said, 
A thorough investigation into the burglary is being carried out and we would ask anyone who witnessed a suspicious activity in and around the gym to please call the police on 101 and quote incident 166S of 23 August 2019 or alternatively call Crime Stoppers anonymously on 0800-555-111. A woman who was registered blind says she wants to inspire others as she prepares to make a trip abroad with Worcester Warriors. Samantha Hayter, known as Millie, says at her lowest she didn't want to leave her home but has gone on to become a personal trainer set up her own business and play in the Warriors visually impaired team that is preparing for an international trip this September. The 33-year-old said, I am visually impaired. I have been since birth. I am completely blind in my right eye and I actually have a prosthetic shell that covers the right eye that didn't fully develop. I have nystagmus, involuntary movement of the eye, coloboma, defect of the my iris lens, and retina photosensitivity, sensitive to light, brightness, and a detached retina, which at the age of 19 years old led on to glaucoma. I am also a Crohn's disease and ulcerative colitis sufferer, and this did damage my confidence levels growing up, and still does now, especially when my weight fluctuates because of certain medications. Miss Hayter said at her lowest she would not leave home without someone being with her, due to her depression and lacking confidence. I put a lot of weight on and became so unfit I had to rest after two-minute walk, Miss Hayter said. I smoked and drank a lot. I'm the en- in the end, enough is enough. Miss Hayter said she turned her life around by being determined that her poor sight and health issues wouldn't hold her back. I started martial arts and went to college again to train as a personal trainer, she said. I went on to study sports massage. It felt like a perfect progression and complemented my sight loss. As, tu- as touch is my strength and I always wanted to eventually become a therapist. Now I'm qualified and I have recently set up my own business, Malvern Sports Massage. The Malvern Link resident is flying out with her Worcester Warriors team, taking their brand of visually impaired form of rugby to a new audience. This will be the first time I have stepped foot on a plane since I was eight, Miss Hayter said. If you had told me I'd been flying out to a rugby tournament when I would not leave a home, would I would not leave home, I would not have believed you. I want to inspire others now, she added. Talented poets united on Thursday evening to share their work at the monthly Dear Listener event in Worcester. Organised by Worcestershire's Poet Laureate, Dr Charlie Barnes, Dear Listener takes place at Boston Tea Party in Broad Street. Dr Barnes said, Dear Listener was launched in December 2017 in the hope of giving poets a space to share their grievances, experiences and anything in between, without having to censor themselves or their words. 
Since starting the event, award-winning poets from up and down the country, such as Casey Bailey and Leanne Moden, have visited Dear Listener as headliners, as well as local talents such as Holly Daffin and Polly Stretton. It's grown from a small audience of supportive friends to a packed-out room of strangers looking for a safe space, which is something I hope Dear Listener can always provide. Boston Tea Party has always been hugely supportive in the growth of the event as they put a roof over our heads every month. Dear Listener usually takes place on the third Thursday of the month, although all of the dates can be found on our various social media channels at Dear Open Open Mic is our Twitter handle for anyone who wants to keep in touch there, but we're also on Facebook and Instagram. Next month's headliner is another award-winning poet with several full-length collections and chapbooks behind her. Kate Garrett will be journeying down to Worcester on September the 26th to wow audiences and it would be great to see people come on to support her. Dear Listener runs from 6.30pm to around 8.30pm and the entry is £3.00. Tributes have been paid to a former Worcester mayor who died of a broken heart. Ray Turner, who lived in the Arboretum part of the city, passed away on August the 19th of natural causes, just three days before his 88th birthday. His family say he never got over the death of his wife, Joy. Ray was mayor in 1992 and a Labour city councillor for 30 years. He opened Sabrina Bridge alongside Joy, where his name was marked on the plaque. His daughter Dawn said, The grandchildren all thought he built the bridge. Whenever we cross the bridge, they tell everybody that it's his bridge. He met Joy, who passed away 14 years ago, when they were in their teens. The couple got married within only five months of knowing each other. While everyone told them it wouldn't last... Their song became Too Young by Nat King Cole, which was played at their wedding and Joy's funeral, and would also be played at Ray's. Dawn added, he was devoted to our mum. When she passed away, we got him aboard a collie to keep him going. He died of a broken heart. He was never the same person without mum. He couldn't cope without her. Ray joined the Royal Navy and was sent to Korea as a gunner and did not see Joy for two and a half years. Dawn added, They were quite a quirky couple. My dad was very charismatic, frequently uh, friendly and a passionate man. He had his principles and was very proactive. He liked to help people. His funeral would take place at... Um, on September the 27th at 1.45pm at Worcester Crematorium in Aswood Cemetery and all are welcome. This is the chaplain's blog um, from David Southall. British Sign Language is beautiful. It is my favourite language and I so wish I could be better at it, although recently I passed my Level 2 exams just. It is expressive, emotional, visual and flowing I say all this because I have been to two BSL events this week. The first was performing on Saturday at the Rotary Charity Showcase on the steps of the Guildhall with the Good Vibrations Choir. 
two sets of five signed songs and you could tell from the faces in the crowd that the signing was expressing something in the songs that words along alone cannot capture. Even the mayor was impressed. The second event was a Shakespeare play, The Taming of the Shrew, at the RSC Stratford-upon-Avon. I went there with some of my deaf friends to a signed performance. The play is meant to be a comedy, but is one of the Bard's troublesome plays involving torture, humiliation and oppression. But if you can get past that, the costumes and acting is outstanding. But it got even better, because on stage there was the interpreter, in costume, acting with the others and signing the character's words. Now this is some feat... I can hardly understand Shakespeare's words when I hear them, let alone translate them into BSL. But it was amazing. I couldn't take my eyes off the interpreter and the depth of meaning she was getting across and my deaf friends, along with many other deaf people in the audience, were lapping it up, accessing the play in their own language. And it made me think... If the Royal Shakespeare Theatre can do something as complicated as this, then it surely isn't beyond the wit of other organisations, hospitals, churches, shops, etc. to do the same. A little BSL goes a long way. I can honestly say that BSL has changed my life and outlook, as well as introducing me to new friends. So come on, Worcester, let's make all that we do accessible to deaf people and all those who have a level of disability. Surely the faithful city can be faithful to all its residents. Worcester's internet users are suffering download speeds among the lowest in the country. The city's average broadband speed is 33 megabytes, much slower than the national average of 54.2 megabytes. It means the city has been named as in the poor poor performing areas for download speed in a new report produced by Ofcom. Despite the slow speeds, website Broadband Choices UK has a speed tester which suggests Worcester could reach an optimum speed of 104 megabytes. According to the firm, the best broadband speed in Worcester is available in St Peter's with a speed of 79.7 megabytes. Meanwhile, the slowest can be found at Warnden Parish North with a speed of 44.4 megabytes. Broadband users have been having their say about speeds on our social media sites. Cathy Pogmore said, We do live in the countryside, WR6, but ours is awful, have to pay for high speed, yet is slower than normal speed. Sylvia Bird said, WR4, Warnden Villages, very slow. Julian David Longdon said, WR3, it is shocking, very slow. While Eric Olford said, WR4 is slow, complained for a while now. Annie Dunbar said, it's terrible, Sometimes the signal is so bad, we live in St John's. Tim Langdon said, WR5, St Peter's, is absolutely awful. We will switch to 4G because it's genuinely better than standard line broadband in the area. Martin Kern said, I'm Love's Grove in Barbourne. The 4G in the area is terrible, non-existent. The Ofcom report found that the government had re- f- 
focused on the distribution of superfast broadband in the last 10 years, which is technically available in 95% of the UK. But only 7% actually have access to full fibre networks, meaning many people are left without a reliable, high-speed broadband connection, Worcester being a prime example of this. A series of Friday Night Live music concerts is coming to Worcester. The Royal Porcelain Works is playing host to the events, which will run on the first Friday of every month, beginning on September the 6th. The first event will welcome the Beethoven experience. As part of the initiative, Royal Porcelain Works has appointed its own Director of Music, Keith Slade, to oversee the events. Keith, who was born in the West Midlands, began his musical journey learning the clarinet from the age of 10. After reaching the final of the BBC Young Musician of the Year, Woodwind category, Keith graduated from the Royal Northern College of Music, where he was awarded the Hilden Collins Prize. Keith said, Welcome to the very first season of Friday Night Live at Worcester Porcelain Works. We will introduce soloists and groups of local, national and international repute, with concerts available for all musical tastes. We welcome all ages to our concerts, particularly young people and those who haven't come along to concerts before. We hope you will be rewarded by a musical experience that will stay with you forever. Sarah Matthews, General Manager of the Royal Worcester Royal Porcelain Works, said, We kick off the season of Friday Night Live with a concert with a difference. Come and be immersed within the Royal Porcelain Symphonia to experience the power of Beethoven's Fifth Symphony as you are seated amongst the playing orchestra in this never-been-seen-before setup. For further information, please contact the Royal Porcelain Works on 01905 677 399 or email inquiries at royalporcelainworks.co.uk. You can also go to www.royalporcelainworks.co.uk-friday-nightlive. Now then, here's a mystery. Victorian novelist Charles Dickens may have based a couple of his most famous characters on a pair of Worcester's shadiest figures. A best-selling author and former city journalist has claimed. Charismatic child pickpocket Jack Dawkins, nicknamed, nicknamed the Artful Dodger from the 1839 novel Oliver Twist, could well have been based on 10-year-old alleged thief and gang leader Michael Condley, believes Bob Blanford. While Fagin, from the same book, bears a striking, striking resemblance to a city cigar shop owner known as Argus, who is believed to have harboured and encouraged child criminals from his King Street business. Mr Blandford, previously of Burroughs Worcester Journal and whose books include The Spike, Worcester City Police and Bob Brackenforth's Worcester Pubs Then and Now, said, It defies coincidence in many ways. Maybe I'm putting two and two together and getting five. But the evidence is there. It stacks up. 
Dickens was a roving political journalist at the time who would have visited Worcester and more than likely took an interest in what was happening in court here. According to a 1837 news report, City Police Chief James Douglas described Condley said to have sewn secret pockets inside his trousers to hide his pickpocketed loot as the most artful young rogue that has ever been brought before the bench. In 1838, four juveniles were arrested and later convicted of thefts from the Foundry Arms and Johnson's Bakery in Sibri. Mr Douglas said the notorious Argos, also known as Hargist, had been linked with the boys and implied his establishment was little more than a brothel and vice dens for youths, said Mr Blundford. Paul Harding, director of Discover History, said it's possible Dickens used Worcester people as inspiration, adding that it is believed the author visited the city for a public reading of A Christmas Carol. Most cities in the 19th century have characters that would fit a best-selling Charles Dickens novel, he said. Having spent years researching the history of Worcester with primary and secondary sources, you do have to check that what you're reading are not extracts from Oliver Twist and Bleak House. Petty criminals, overflowing privies, murder, gangs and poverty are sadly the result of fast-paced industrialisation, he added. A decision on whether to allow a city dairy farm to build a new, new events building has been hit with a delay because of a debate over car parking. Bennett's farm wanted to build a new single-storey modern barn building with outdoor seating at Manor Farm off Malvern Road to be used as a venue for a range of events, including weddings, wakes, markets and workshops. The plan looks set to be approved after a plea for it to be voted down was rejected, but Worcester City Council's planning committee was forced to defer as the plans for car parking differed during debate to those submitted as part of the application. As the plans for car parking differed, the Highways Department at Worcestershire County Council was forced to remove its recommendation and the planning committee had to defer. Several neighbours had raised objections over noise when the plan was submitted. Frustrated neighbour Mark Freeman said he regularly let out a sigh of despair when he was met with loud music uh, when pulling up on his drive and often said he wished he was not coming home when speaking to the City Council's planning committee on Thursday, August the 22nd. Mr Freeman said he had made several complaints to the farm over noise and smoke from the nearby glumping site and said there would be no way the farm could completely stop noise from the new events building when it was hosting a wedding or other large event as existing measures to cull noise were woefully inadequate. Tristan Bennett, manager of Bennett's farm, said it would be a real missed opportunity if the expansion was rejected. Councillor Alan Amos, who represents Bedwardine, said there was no local support for the farm's expansion. He said the farm should be allowed to diversify, but the well-being of its neighbours should also be taken into account. Councillor Amos called for the plan to be refused, but that plea was rejected. 
Councillor Amos said it was a tragedy the concerns of neighbours were not being considered. Councillor Roger Berry said he did not want to use a sledgehammer to crack a nut and did not support a call to completely refuse the plan. More than 1,000 dragonflies have taken flight after forming an impressive fortnight-long display in Worcester City Centre. Hundreds of visitors flocked to see the St Richard's Hospice Celebration Garden for one last time before it was dismantled on Bank Holiday Monday. Many of those visiting the display had donated to take one of the blue and green dragonflies home as a keepsake, often in memory of loved ones. Rachel Jones, fundraising manager at St Richard's, said, We loved seeing our beautiful flight of dragonflies on display, but we're even more pleased to know they will be going to homes where they will be admired and treasured for years to come. We would like to say a huge thank you to everyone who has supported this campaign, including all the fantastic volunteers who helped us take down the display on a very hot Bank Holiday Monday. If you would like your own dragonfly, it's not too late to donate for one, as we have a limited number left. Just visit our website to find out more. To date, around 900 dragonflies have been bought, raising around £37,000 for the hospice, which is based in Wildwood Drive. The funds raised by the campaign will help continue the hospice's care to patients living with serious progressive illnesses, their loved ones and bereaved people across Worcestershire. There is still a limited number of the sculptures which have been made by the British Ironworks Centre in Oswestry available. To donate for a dragonfly, visit www.strichards.org.uk forward slash celebration hyphen garden or call the fundraising team on 01905 958262. The display was installed on Saturday the 10th of August and followed the success of the charity's previous celebration gardens featuring forget-me-nots in 2016 and snowdrops in 2018. And that's the last of our news items for this week. So it just remains for me to thank Barry Hurd, engineer, and round the table Sue Perry, Pam Glendenning and Kate Hudman. And we have been joined by Duncan Wynn, who is going to do the copying for us, to, for, uh, which, to which we're very grateful. So we're signing off and hope you all have a good week. And don't forget, after the music, there will be the obituaries. Bye-bye. Now, the um, deaths which have been announced in the past week, um, Margaret Theresa Price, uh, née Morgan, known as Auntie Marge, passed away on the 15th of August. Her funeral will have already taken place on August the 29th. Donations for Acorns Children's Hospice or the Dogs Trust can be sent to Bedwardine Funeral Services, 30 Bromyard Road, Worcester, WR25BT and their telephone number is Worcester 748811.
Frank Lawrence Wilkes of Fernal Heath passed away suddenly on July 25th. His funeral will also have taken place on Friday, August the 30th. Donations, if desired, for the British Heart Foundation can be sent to E.J. Gummery & Son, 6870 Ombersley Road, Worcester, WR3 7EU. Uh, Patricia Goldney passed away on July the 30th. Memorial service at St George's Barbourne on Monday, September the 2nd at 2pm. Michael J. Robbins, known as Scoop, passed away in Gloucester Hospital on August the 9th. Service, uh, funeral service at Worcester Crematorium, Monday, September the 2nd at 1.45pm. Donations for Cancer Research UK can be sent to EJ Gummery & Son or left at the collection plate. Susan Charlotte Winrow, nay Floyd, known as Sue, uh, formerly of Stanley Road and ex-Case uh, Catalogue worker, passed away on August the 15th. Her service is actually going to be in North Hertfordshire Crematorium Holwell on Monday, September the 2nd at 12 noon, but donations can be sent to, to the UK Sepsis Trust uh, via www.memorygiving.com or inquiries to Neville Funerals, Shefford, 01462 813258 Christabel Luce of Claines fell asleep August the 17th Funeral service at Worcester Crematorium Tuesday September the 3rd at 1.45pm <clears throat> Donations for Worcestershire Wildlife Trust can be left on the plate or sent to EJ Gummery and Sun details as before Pat Ash passed away August the 7th Funeral service on Tuesday, September the 3rd at Worcester Crematorium at 12.15pm. Donations for Dementia UK can be left on the plate uh, or sent to George Crump and Son Funeral Directors and they are in Droitwich. The number is a Worcester number, 77339. Francis Mary Morgan, née Morris formerly of Lower Broadheath, passed away on August the 18th. Memorial service to take place at Christchurch, Lower Broadheath, on Tuesday, September the 3rd at 12.15pm. Donations to Midlands Air Ambulance, sent care of Bedwardine Funeral Services, details as before. Michael Sheridan passed away August the 14th. His funeral is at Worcester Crematorium on Wednesday, September the 4th at 1pm. Family flowers only, but donations to St Richard's Hospice can be sent uh, to Bedwardine Funeral Services. Um, details as before. I'm just finding some from today's paper. Right. Um, Michael uh, Sheridan, we've just done, sorry. Um, Raymond Farrow, known as Ray, passed away August the 12th. Funeral service on Wednesday, September the 4th at 2.30pm. Donations for the British Heart Foundation or Dementia UK. Inquiries to EJ Gummery and Sunday tells us before. 
Graham Finch passed away on April the 20th. Funeral service is on Thursday, September the 5th at 1.45pm. Flowers can be sent to EJ Gummery and Sunday Tales as before. Nancy Elizabeth Shepherd, known as Nan, passed away on August the 15th. Funeral service Thursday, September the 5th at 2.30pm at Worcester Crematorium. Dress code to be casual but green. Donations for Macmillan Cancer Support can be left in the collection box or sent directly to the charity. Inquiries to the Cooperative Funeral Care, telephone 01905 22137. Uh, address is 17 uh, Lowesmore, Worcester, WR12RS. George Hen- John Henry George Stretton passed away on July 7th. Funeral service at Worcester Crematorium on Friday, September the 6th at 1pm. Donations to Cancer Research UK and AV Band 41 St Nicholas Street, WR11UW is the funeral director there. Uh, Matthew Gavin Armstrong who uh, was the uh, headmaster of the King's School in Worcester, uh, born in Chamonix in France. Uh, There is to be a private funeral, Uh, a service of thanksgiving to celebrate Matthew's life and work will be held at 2.30pm on Monday, October the 21st in Worcester Cathedral, No Flowers. And uh, he was not just headmaster of King's, but he had been a schoolmaster at Charterhouse, Winchester College and Lansing College, a business analyst at McKinsey and Company, and was educated at Hutton Grammar School, Preston and New College, Oxford. So October the 21st for him. Um, And two more, but there are no... Uh, details of services Edith May Priest passed away August the 16th a private funeral service to take place in due course inquiries to Bedwardine Funeral Services details as before and Raymond Farrow known as Ray passed away suddenly on August the 12th Um, funeral service at Worcester Crematorium but there's no further detail So our thoughts and prayers go to all of those who have lost loved ones recently.